Hey everybody, Brian McClanahan here. Are you looking for a great educational website? Then go to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll free of charge. Get a free class, 10 Myths of American History when you do enroll. Look, I've got awesome classes there. Classes on the Constitution, classes on the Civil War, classes on secession, classes on American history. A whole slew of great stuff just waiting for you. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com, enroll, and get a real history education. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The new Florida history curriculum has outraged the left. We'll talk about why on this episode of The Brian McClanahan Show. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to be back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter. Like my Facebook page and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me that email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to mcclanahanacademy.com. If you're getting this in July of 2023, there's only a few days left. Pick up my latest class, Reading George Washington, for $70 off. Just use the coupon code WASHINGTON at checkout. You can also purchase other classes there, of course, but that one is the lowest price you're ever going to see it. So jump on that. Click on Reading George Washington when you go to the class, and then use the coupon code WASHINGTON and get $70 off. It's an awesome class, 25 lectures on the real George Washington and the importance of George Washington for American history in his own words. You're really going to love it. All right. You can also support the show by clicking on the support tab at brianmcclanahan.com. Go to Spotify for podcasters. Click on the little super thanks button under this video if you're watching on YouTube. All those are great ways to throw a few pennies my way. You can also, of course, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Let people know you love it. Share it around on social media. Give it that five-star review. Leave a text review wherever you can. That does help get more eyes and ears on the show. And send me those show requests. I do want to see what you want to hear. So let's talk about this topic of Florida. It's been in the news a lot. In fact, um, it did... Uh, basically consume the news cycle for about a day or two. And that's because Kamala Harris uh, stood up in a, uh, in a speech and said that uh, the state of Florida is gaslighting people because they're saying that uh, in this new history curriculum, they're teaching that slaves benefited from slavery in Florida. So is that true? Is that the new history curriculum? Did, did the new history standards, history curriculum standards in Florida make that claim? Well, no, they didn't make that claim at all. And I mentioned this uh, in, in the podcast yesterday, that what's at stake here in the history wars is a political agenda. You see, if you can make these claims, even if you can't back it up, but you make these claims, and of course, you're making these claims to quote-unquote educated people, and they're going to show outrage over this, and they're going to get mad about it, and they're going to go vote. Even if they don't research it, they don't know, the lie is the important thing. The lie is the important thing. So, I'm actually going to cover an article that was written at National Review. I don't really promote National Review. I think National Review gets a lot of things wrong. But in this particular case, uh, they go out and they look at the all the standards of the new Florida curriculum 
and the author listed about 190 of them. I mean, this this is a this is a huge curriculum because it has to be. I mean, you've got you've got K through 12 standards that have to be addressed uh, by the teachers there. But what you'll see in all of this, which is rather interesting, and there's a whole lot of wiggle room here. It's like I mentioned with the the South Carolina law that you have to teach the founding documents in colleges and universities. That sounds great on the surface, but what's going to happen? The left is going to take it, and they're going to teach the Constitution and the Declaration the way they want to. Or you're going to get the proposition nation mythologists to do the exact same thing. In fact, as things start coming out, I think PragerU is responsible for much of the curriculum that's being taught now in Florida. At least they're part of it. Well, if you go out and read any or watch any PragerU videos, you'll find that PragerU's positions on uh, Southern history, on the founding, don't differ very much from the left at all, really. I mean, if you look at PragerU's videos on the war, that's Ty Sajuli. PragerU put Ty Sajuli, the leftist, as their guy to talk about the war. So where's why would there be outrage over this? Well, there there really shouldn't be, but this is just a convenient way for the left to drum up money so that they can gaslight people. You want to talk about real gaslighting. Kamala Harris said this is this is gaslighting. They're gaslighting us. No, you want to talk about real gaslighting. In fact, it's an outright lie what they're doing. An outright lie. But you see, the lie matters. And the lie matters because they know most people won't go out and do any research on this. So the media will just run with it. They'll start asking Ron DeSantis questions about it. And of course, he's trying to figure out how to respond to these things. And he's not being very effective at it. I mean, his, his messaging here has not been good because this is an emotional issue. Again, emotivism, there's no logic behind this. There's no rational thinking. It's emotion. And it's emotion with a purpose. And that is to win political battles. It's to win elections. That's why they're doing it. And they think that they can paint Ron DeSantis out to be this evil monster in Florida who has all these wrong think positions, well then you win, right? You get you can get Ron DeSantis out, or you you harp you you harpoon his chances of being president, whatever it is. They're going to try to get rid of him. So when you look at this uh, this curriculum and you look at the list of things, the standards, they're really open ended. You could teach this any way you wanted to. It's not saying you have to teach this a certain way. These are the things you have to cover. One of the things, of course, that, that uh, everyone focused on was that a, a standard that said slaves learn skills that they could use later in life. I mean, that's that's pretty benign because, well, that's actually true. I mean, they did. That is, this is not an incorrect statement. And I'll give you uh, one example of that, a, a very conspicuous example, but then I'll talk about that on the back end too. But the most conspicuous example is a man named Horace King. And there's a book about Horace King. I think the title is Bridging Deep South Rivers. And it's written by a man named John Leupold. Now, John Leupold is never going to be confused for a quote-unquote neo-Confederate or Southern apologist or anything else. But the whole book is about Horace King learning skills like bridge building, engineering, these type of things as a slave. And then he eventually is able to purchase his freedom and he becomes a prominent businessman in Columbus, Georgia. In fact, during the war... He supplied lumber for the Confederacy. Uh, he was still involved in, uh, in uh, engineering projects. Now, he wasn't a Confederate supporter. He said he was in favor of the Union, and he, did what, he said whatever he could about that. But the fact is, 
Horace King would not have known those skills if not he wasn't taught them while he was still enslaved. These are things that did happen. And if you read Fogelin Engerman or you read Eugene Genovese, you read these people that have gone in and studied slavery quite extensively, you'll find that these kind of things happened all the time. There were skilled slaves, and they did learn things that they could use after freedom. I mean, this is not a... Um, a controversial statement in any ways. At least it shouldn't be. It doesn't mean the institution was good or just, that these people, oh, look how these people, uh, you know, just uh, got all these great things, and so we should go back to that. That's not what people are saying. It's not what historians are arguing in these things. It's not what Genovese argues, or Fogel and Engelmark argues, or even John Leupold argues. But they're looking at the institution and, and uh, just telling you what happened. I mean, these are things that happened. So for Florida to teach this, now you see, but the problem with that is that you can't get into a narrative that uh, is solely about uh, punishments or uh, abuse or anything like that. There has to be a little more complex story to it. And that doesn't work well in the history wars. You can't do that. You can't have complexity in history. It's like I talked about yesterday. The righteous cause myth forces a simplistic version of history. It has to be simple. It has to be basic. Because if it's simple and basic, then you get platitudes and slogans and chants, and you lead to more political activists. There has to be a guilt behind it. There has to be emotion behind it. And if it's complex, if it's complex, and there are some things that would say, well, wait a second, um, you know, this, this is going on, that's going on, or maybe things weren't exactly as you're portraying them in this very cartoonish, you know, eighth grade or fourth grade version of things, even for college students, maybe there will be a better understanding and perhaps more reconciliation over all this. That might be something good, but you see, that's not what the left wants. They don't want reconciliation. They want victimhood. They want emotion. They want good guys and bad guys. And if they can't drive that narrative, well, then it doesn't really work, right? You, you, you can't have a situation where you have well, maybe the North wasn't always the good guys, and maybe the South wasn't always the bad guys, and maybe there's not really good guys and bad guys anyways. Maybe it's just people living in their time period and doing what they can, dealing with the situation they live in, and or, or living in the situation that they've been given, and that's what they do. And they're men and women of their time. That would be a remarkable situation, right? That would be remarkable. It would be remarkable because if you do it that way, well, then there's no good guys and bad guys. There's no victims... None of that. People just live. And so when you look at the Florida history curriculum, it doesn't say you can't teach that there were abuses or there were bad things. It doesn't say that at all. In fact, it actually mandates you do that, as I'm going to talk about. So let's get into this National Review piece. And I'm just going to, it's not long. I'm not going to go through all 191 items because that would take me a long time. But I am going to skip through some things. And then I'm actually going to respond to something that a, no, a critic of this curriculum said, which shows you that they're really not that interested in history. They're interested in a narrative, you see, a narrative that doesn't meet the history. So this is by Charles C.W. Cook, who was actually one of the managing editors at National Review. But he says, NBC reports that Kamala Harris intends to visit Florida today, and this piece was written on July 21st, to criticize this new school curriculum. In remarks Thursday, Harris blasted efforts in some states to ban books and push forward revisionist history. Now, first of all, this time, revisionist history, revisionist history. That phrase is often used as a pejorative, 
Revisionist history. We don't want revisionist history. Well, what you're looking at, I mean, all history has been revisionist. What they don't want is to revise or to, to revise the revisionism. Much of what we, we pa what passes for history now is revisionist. But what everyone doesn't understand is history is always revisionist. There's always people going back and looking at things and uh, having a different perspective on things or having a different position on things. That's revisionism. She said, just yesterday in the state of Florida, they decided to make middle school students, they decided, I'm sorry, they decided middle school students would be taught that enslaved people benefited from slavery, she said at a convention for the traditionally black sorority Delta Sigma Theta, Inc. They insult us in an attempt to gaslight us, and we will not stand for it. Of course, she very forcefully said these things. They insult us. So Cook says, this is a brazen lie. It's an astonishing lie. It's an evil lie. It's so untrue, so deliberately and cynically misleading that in a sensible political culture, Harris will be obliged to issue an apology. Instead, NBC confirms that she will repeat the lie today during a speech in Jacksonville. Now, what's interesting about this is, of course, this has kind of been in the cycle, but it's disappeared in some ways because I think everyone started looking at the curriculum and they started realizing, oh, wait a second here, um, we can't really make this claim anymore. Now, you've got people that will try to do it. They get on interviews, and I read the curriculum, and this is what I see. Because they want a story. Because they want to push an agenda. But when you look at it, and you just read the curriculum itself, you don't really get this. You don't get the sense of this. Cook says, I've been trying to work out how to best illustrate the sheer scale of Harris's falsehood. And I've come to the conclusion that the only way to achieve it is to list in one place all the relevant parts of the course about which she is complaining. So below, I have copied and pasted every single reference to slavery, slaves, abolitionism, civil rights, and African Americans that is in the document. For those interested, the full curriculum, along with the curriculum for the teaching of the Holocaust, is here. And so what Cook is saying is that all of these charges against the curriculum are just untrue. You have to really stretch to think that this, the intent of any of this was to show any kind of positive uh, impression of slavery. And look, you got to understand who's writing this stuff. I mean, again, if PragerU is involved in this, if the West Coast Straussians are involved in this, none of that is going to be there. In fact, it's going to be pretty much standard interpretation of the institution. You're not going to get any lost cause mythologists, if that even is the case. You're not. I'll say this. You're not going to get any, because lost cause mythologists aren't, generally pro-slavery somewhere. But what you're not going to get is pro-slavery advocates writing this curriculum at all. It's not going to be there. Okay, and, and no one would want it there. I mean, that's the thing that people don't get. But you're not going to get any of that. And what you're really going to get is a bunch of Proposition Nation stuff. It's going to be in it. That's what it's going to be saturated with. So you're not going to get much of a difference in this curriculum if, say... Uh, Prager taught it, or Ty Sigley taught it, or Kamala Harris taught it. There's going to be really much difference at all. They give the faculty a lot of wiggle room and how to address the issues, how to talk about the issues, how to address all these different things. But what they're afraid of is that somebody might take this because it does allow for some wiggle room and actually teach some complexity in Southern history. Some complexity... They might teach some Eugene Genovese or Fogel and Engerman is what they're really worried about. They might teach something like that. And what you would get in all of that, of course, is a tremendous amount of complexity. They don't want that. 
They want to drive the narrative themselves. They want to say, this is exactly how you're going to teach this, and it's going to be from our perspective, and it's going to say these words and these things, because what you're doing there is driving a narrative. You're creating activists. You're not creating a historical inquiry. You're not creating curiosity. You're not creating people looking for a, a, an effort to understand the past. And why would people, what would they do in these situations? Why do they do these things in these situations? Why do they think this way? I mean, what was going on here? You're getting people to, you're, you're getting a situation if you teach it the way the left does to create activists. So Cook says the list is extremely long. That's because Pace Harris, there's a lot in there, which is true. I mean, Harris tried to reduce it to one thing. And of course, Cook highlights that one, that one reference. And of course, Harris hasn't read it. She just gets a talking point and then runs with it because she's lazy, intellectually lazy. If you're able to read it and conclude that the single reference to slaves developing skills, which I've bolded, is indicative of the narrative direction of the course, rather than the tiny and correct part of it, then you are beyond saving and you deserve to live your life as an ignoramus. Now again, rather tiny and correct. I mean, Cook says this is correct. This did happen. Again, I'll point to that. Go read that book. Bridging Deep South Rivers by John Lupo. That's just one example. If you can just find one example, it's like people have said about black confederates, for example. If you can find one, well, then they existed. If you can find one, and the example's there. Now, you could say, well, here's these examples. Here are these singular examples or a handful of examples. But for the most part, this is what happened. You can teach things that way. But you have to recognize that there are actually examples of these things. And that's not what people want. They don't want complexity. They want black and white narratives. They want things that are easy to chant and uses slogans and platitudes. They want guilt. They want emotion. These are the things they want because they want power. That's the whole point of all of this, right? The history wars are about power and who can, who can rise to power, who can be, who can sink from power, all these things. This is exactly what the, what the narrative drives. Okay. There is simply no way of perusing this course and concluding that it gaslights people or whitewashes slavery. Among many, many other things, it includes one section on the conditions of Africans during their passage to America. Now, again, you could how can you teach that without actually teaching the Middle Passage as a brutal enterprise? Even, <laughs> even Americans, you just go to the founding period. Go to George Mason and what he says about the institution in the Philadelphia Convention. He says they've left that part open, which is awful. Everyone recognized that's awful. People wanted to shut that down. The trade was terrible. People, I mean, you, you can't teach this without teaching the trade was terrible. The living conditions of slaves in British North American colonies, the Caribbean, Central America, and South America, including infant mortality rates. So you have to teach, if you do that, see the problem with that is you have to teach the institution a much larger global perspective. Because what that's going to do, and the left knows this, will show that the situation for slaves in, in the North American colonies was different than it was in Central America, the Caribbean, and South America. Much different. And anyone that, anyone that studies it knows that's the case. So you're actually, what you're going to do there in this comparative history is show that a small percentage of slaves actually arrived in the British North American colonies that the conditions in the Caribbean, South, and Central America were much worse than they were in, Brit in the British North American colonies. So what you now have done by, by putting this in a, in a global context 
is create some complexity in the entire situation. You've actually, you're, you're not demonizing people here as much as you would if you just focus on the British North American colonies. Because you have to look at the other areas too. Another part, the harsh conditions and their consequences on British American plantations, e.g. undernourishment, climate conditions, infant and child mortality rates of the enslaved versus the free. And So again, this is not something that you'd look at and say, well, you're not going to teach these things. Of course you are. Of course you are. Uh, how the South tried to, uh, I'm sorry, the harsh conditions in the Caribbean plantations, i.e. poor nutrition, rigorous labor disease. Again, but see the problem with that and what Cook is not realizing here is that by doing that, the left knows by doing that, what you're going to do is, is have a comparative analysis. People are going to look at the, the British North American colonies and say, well, it wasn't quite as bad there. It doesn't mean it's good. It just means it wasn't as bad. That's the whole point. You know what? Nobody's going to say, this is good and this is bad. No, no, no. That's not what you're going to get. You're going to get some complexity. You're going to say, well, we had a situation in British North American colonies that was different than here. It's not good because these people are still enslaved, but it's not the Caribbean either, you see. This is what Genovese and Fulgenangerman do. That's why this is dangerous to the left, because when you have those narratives and you have those histories, it doesn't allow for uh, victim, emotion, guilt-driven history. It doesn't allow for it. It becomes much more complex. And I'm talking about two of the most important books Roll Jordan Roll and Time on the Cross that have ever been written on slavery in North America. And they're not written by conservatives. Genovese became a conservative later in life. But the rest of it, I mean, Fogel and Engerman, never be confused for conservatives. Ever. Uh, Genovese, when he wrote it, was a raging Marxist. So <laughs> these people weren't on the right. But what they were doing is looking at the material and actually drawing conclusions from the material sans emotion. They were just trying to say, well, these are the things that happen. How the South tried to prevent slaves from escaping in their efforts to end the Underground Railroad. I mean, that's not going to be a positive thing for uh, for the South at all. I mean, this, that's, that's a tough thing to teach, right? And so people are going to have to talk about these things. The overwhelming death rates caused by the practice, the many ways in which Africans resisted slavery. Again, where is that teaching some type of, you know, benefit? You're... You're getting into some things that, you know, how did this work? I would recommend everyone read Eugene Genovese, Roll, Jordan, Roll. And, on, and, and it's a thick book. It's a big, fat book. Read that. And then, of course, Vogel, Linegram, and Time on the Cross. Also read uh, Genovese's Mind of the Master Class. So you can see the, uh, the position of Southern whites and what they thought about things and how they, how they wrestled with slavery uh, in, the, in the antebellum period. Um, Read Larry Ties, pro-slavery. Read these things. Uh, you'll find that the institution is much more complex than what you get in a very cartoonish version that the left wants to teach. Not good, but complex. The ramifications of prejudice, racism, and stereotyping on individual freedoms, and the struggle faced by African-American women in the 19th century as it relates to issues of suffrage, business, and access to education. Many of these modules apply to Florida specifically. Right. So, I mean, again, looking at the list, what's what they don't like is that it actually forces complexity. So I'm just going to read some of the um, some of the bullets. I am going to get through some of these things, but uh, so this is what uh, the 
the curriculum mandates that instructors cover in this course, and of course in American history courses, particularly though Florida history courses, a lot of it relates just to Florida itself. Instruction includes what life was like for the earliest slaves and the emancipated in North America. Now, how is that going to be... Uh, I mean, it's wide open. You can do anything you want with that. You can teach it however you want. It doesn't say you got to teach it this way or that way. You can teach it however you want. Examine the Underground Railroad and how former slaves partnered with other free people and groups in assisting those escaping from slavery. Examine key figures and events in abolitionist movements. Again, I mean, how is this a positive assessment of anything? When you start talking about the abolitionists, you're going to get a perspective that is completely anti-slavery, right? Instruction will include the Emancipation Proclamation, 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments of the Constitution of the United States. Examine the roles and contributions of significant African Americans during Western expansion. Benjamin Papp Singleton, by the way, uh, if uh, you take my secession course, I cover Benjamin Papp Singleton in that course. James Beckworth, Buffalo Soldiers, York, American Explorer. Examine the experiences and contributions of African Americans in early Florida. Talk about African American communities like Fort Mose, Angola Community, Black Seminoles, Fort Gadsden, Lincolnville, Eatonville. Uh, understand the causes, courses, and consequences of the slave trade in the colonies. Again, how is this, you know, there's no gaslighting here. This is just, these are the things you got to teach. One of the things that they didn't like, instruction includes how slavery was utilized in Asian, European, and African cultures. So they don't, they don't like that. There was, a, there was actually an interview I watched where the, the historian, the Florida historian who was looking, I don't like that. I don't like that, that, uh, that bullet point. Because what they're trying to do there, I'm very glad you asked this question, because what they're trying to do is show that these are all the same, that American slavery was, uh, was not different. But he says American slavery was different because it was the only place where slaves were recognized as chattel, meaning that they were property. But that's simply not true. That's simply not true. Uh, if you read Thornton's book, um, the uh, John Thornton on the uh, on the Atlantic slave trade, the Atlantic, the Atlantic world, right, including Africa, it's Africans in the making of uh, uh, Americas. I think it's the title of the book. Uh, he talks about the property qualification. See, in Africa, on the west coast of Africa, you couldn't own land. These kingdoms didn't allow you to own that, but you could own people. And so tr slaves were traded just as any other commodity, like cattle. So they did treat them as chattel. They did treat them that way. Uh, and that's important to note. See, the other thing they don't want is to have that drawn into it anyway, right? To actually lay the blame of the institution anywhere else besides uh, a bunch of people in British North America. If there's any blame to go around, it has to be focused on one group of people and not a comprehensive look at that. This is a, this is a large-scale economic, political, and social institution around the world that has been around forever. And so we have to think of it this way. You can't teach it that way. It has to be driven by guilt. That's the problem with it all. There's no complexity. There's no, there's no understanding. There's no looking at it in a larger context. You can't do that if you want to create activists because it, it minimizes all of the vitriol and the activism. It makes Kamala Harris and everything she just said look extremely stupid, which is easy to do, but that's what it does. If you teach these things the way they're supposed to be taught, it makes this different. 
That's the issue. That's not what they want. Instruction includes the similarities and differences between serfdom and slavery. Were there differences there, of course? Were there similarities? Yes. One of the things, of course, that's going to, that's going to mark slavery in the British North America is race. I mean, this is going to become a major issue. Race for identification purposes. That is something that happens, that does have a lasting legacy. It does. I mean, there's no question about that. So there is, there are some differences. Describe the contact of European explorers with systemic slave trading or systematic slave trading in Africa. Well, they don't, they don't like that. Instruction includes the comparative treatment of indentured servants of European and African extraction. So you're going to have to show some complexity here. You're going to have to pull. You're going to have to pull African cultures into this, and that's not what people who have an agenda want you to do. People don't realize, remember, but there was a time when uh, there were some West African nations that begged for forgiveness for their involvement in the trade and the institution. They begged for it. We were involved in this as anything else. It, we were driving it, and that's what Thornton shows, not in a way that's negative or you know trying to say, well, these people are horrible. He's just saying this is the institution. This is what happened. And so there is a tremendous amount of complexity here and some things that, uh, you know, it, people that have an agenda don't want to teach because you don't get victims and you don't create activists and you don't get vitriol. You don't get this strong emotion. You get an understanding and then maybe a little more reconciliation like, yeah, I mean, this is this is bad. Everybody thinks it's bad. We're all it's all we're all glad it's gone. Um, maybe we can actually move forward and show that there was something more to this than just the good guys and the bad guys. It's not what the left wants to do. They want good guys and bad guys. They want to create a section of bad guys, and they want to punish those bad guys forever and ever and ever. And the good guys are these people, and they want to be elevated to power and, and do the punishing and all these kind of things. That's what they want. Good guys and bad guys. That may not be the case. Uh, but they also have things like, you know, examine the various duties and trades performed by slaves. Agricultural work, painting, carpentry, tailoring, domestic service, blacksmithing, transportation. Yeah, there's a lot of things going there. Uh, and that's interesting stuff. You know, how do people in this institution deal with the institution? What do they do? How do they work? How do they live? Talk about slave revolts. If you talk about that, you're not going to show that there's anything good about this. I mean, you have revolts. New York City, Stoner Rebellion, you have these things. Uh, so, I mean, this is, this is stuff that, if you didn't have politics involved in this, would be just natural to teach. Yeah, all right, let's talk about that stuff. Let's talk about this, let's talk about that. It should be natural to teach. But once you throw politics into the mix, now it's unnatural. Because you have to create winners and losers. That's what politics does. That's what people are trying to do with history. That's what, you know, if if you really wanted to have Kevin Cruz and all the dopes that wrote in that book, you know, with Myth America, they would include some of the stuff that the left does, but they didn't include any of that. It's all about the right and Trump and everything else. The whole book is an anti-Trump polemic, by the way. If you really wanted to have a Myth America, these would be things that you include. By the way, I have a class at McLean Academy, free of charge, 10 Myths of American History. That's uh, not going to be Kevin Cruz's version. Um, and you get that free of charge for signing up, and of course, then use those coupon codes. And of course, there'll be more things coming at some point in 
the year. But use those coupon codes. I have another class coming out in August. If you want to get that one too, look for those coupon codes. Get on the email list to get that stuff. All right? But I'll see you next week on The Brian McClanahan Show. See you then. Mm -hmm.